acid with spare, which means as much as without stocks, it's going to be difficult, is OMR Stock Market Podcast, supported by Trade Republic. And every morning from Monday to Friday, you can listen to the news in the stock market. And today I have the great opportunity to talk to Noah Leidinger. He is the podcast host who works with various experts and other people to talk about the stock market's movements and to share exciting stories every morning about companies or controversial opinions or fascinating people every day to provide financial advice. Um, but yeah, well, thank you that I can have you on my podcast here today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Perfect. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, as you already said, I'm I'm Noah. I'm the host of Ohne Aktien wird schwer, which is like one of the largest stock market podcasts in Germany. A daily podcast, as you said. I'm originally from Austria, actually, and the podcast now is uh, we're we're in Hamburg, so we are based in Hamburg with OMR, um, and it's in German. So probably for a lot of your listeners that just understand English, they uh, can't listen to my podcast, but there's actually a, an American alternative, which is called uh, The Best Thing Yet, uh, or, the, or The Best One Yet, um, which was also our role model for our podcast. So if you're an American uh, listener, you can listen to that one. Thank you very much. Noah, may I ask you, how did you start at OMR? I basically just applied um, on the website um, and I started as an editor for the podcast. So I was not myself talking, but I was just writing like the stories and analyzing companies. And then over time I took over as a host. And now basically the two main things that I'm doing at OMR is the daily stock market podcast. Mm -hmm. And we are also on a very small scale doing business angel investments. So in interesting startups. Um, and I'm also managing these investments with a colleague of mine. So those are basically the two things that I do right now. But I originally started as an editor for the podcast. Interesting. So you're not only analyzing companies in the stock market, but you're also investing with your team? Exactly. And we are like basically we're talking about the stock market, but most of the investments we do are not in the stock market, mm -hmm. um, but in private companies. So these are yeah. pretty small startups that are just just starting. Some of them don't even have a product yet, um, but they have a strong team and they have a big vision. Um, and then we support them with with money, but most of all also with our network and just giving them advice. And that's what we what we do there. And when did you start to invest also in small startups? Uh, did you come also with your work because you analyze all of these startups and then you start to realize maybe we should invest as well? Well, actually, our founder, Philip Westermeyer, has started doing some startup investments like basically five years ago or something like that. Um, and then I came to Omar because of the stock market podcast and the colleague of mine also came to Omar because of the podcast. And then he thought like, okay, if I already have these two finance dudes here, uh, they can take care of the investments. Um, and then we structured it a bit more and now we have a bit more strategy behind the investments. And back then it was more like, okay, friends and family. If he thought like it was a good idea or if he knew someone who was a smart founder, he invested. And now we try to have a bit more strategy. Interesting. So you consider um, yourself as a finance dude. Uh, so you were always interested in finance in the stock markets and in how to invest. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I started like about 13 years um, of age. So basically with YouTube, I, I started watching YouTube videos about about investors and about the stock market. And it's, it kind of hooked me back then. And since then, I've always been interested in all these topics. So the stock market, startups, investment, finance, these are my main topics, basically. Interesting. And um, is your, I, I guess you have a team of researchers, right, for your podcast? 
exactly we are like a team of four people um and we we split the work basically so the podcast is always structured in like three parts the first part there are there's basically a news section so the news of of today um, and then we have two stories about two companies or about an investor and we try to analyze a company try to understand the business model how much profit the company makes how much revenue the company makes uh, what's the valuation of the stock um, and we are splitting these parts uh, between the four of us yeah but i guess your team of researchers not watching youtube videos for their advice right how how does it work can you walk us through the process of how you evaluate companies and investments or the movements in general in the stock market yeah exactly uh, some of the time actually it is a youtube video because some companies publish like financial reports or earnings calls on youtube uh, but uh, mostly it isn't so basically the starting point often is a financial newspaper like for example the financial times or bloomberg um, and then there's something interesting about a specific company and then we try to dig deeper into that company and we read the financial reports that each company that is in the stock market has to publish like a financial report about their numbers what they are doing how their business works so we analyze that um, and then we look at the numbers uh, try to calculate different ratios and so it's basically a mix of different things basically starts with the newspaper then we look at the reports of the company then you maybe look at other analysts what they think about that company and so it's basically a mix um, of things interesting and what factors are driving the stock market right now would you say when it comes to the performance I would say the biggest factor right now is inflation and interest rates. Mm -hmm. Basically, there's a, a very simple dynamic there. If the interest rates are very low, you cannot get any returns with safe investments like your bank account. So a lot of investors turn to riskier investments like the stock market um, to just get some returns and to get a bit of interest. And this was also one of the reasons why the stock market has performed so well over the last couple of years where interest rates have been so low. But now as the interest rates are rising, people put more of their money in safer investments, like for example, your savings account, and they shift away from the stock market. That's also why last year we've seen um, that the stock market hasn't, hasn't done that well um, because interest rates have been rising and that always hurts the stock market. And basically inflation, so basically the central banks have to raise interest rates because inflation is so high and so the higher inflation gets um, it's also not not good for the stock market i also read that your company also started the podcast because it was so easy to make money with investments is that correct well we started it i think that wasn't that was not the background i think we started it just to like basically most of the finance media in Germany is pretty boring or it's a bit shady. So on, on the one side, there are like these old newspapers that are pretty boring to read. And on the other side, there are a lot of shady people that tell you that you can get rich in like five minutes. Um, and we, we tried to do something more serious and where you can really learn something, but in a fun and entertaining way. And if you listen to our podcast, you will also hear that there are like music snippets and we don't just like talk like a, a normal moderator, but with a bit more energy and stuff. Um, and so I think that was basically the reason to create a new format that's entertaining also for young people to learn about finance, learn about the stock market, learn about investing. And so you said it's for young people. So who exactly is your target audience? Are we talking about Generation Z or people who are investing for their retirement? How does it work? Who are you trying to reach out to? Originally, I think we wanted to target more like the really young people like Generation Z and people in our generation. Um, but now if we look at the numbers, there are also a lot of like older people in their 30s and their 40s that listen to the podcast. But it's 
pretty evenly spread. So we have a lot of young, young listeners, but we also have more experienced investors that just want to learn um, about specific stocks and are interested in these topics. Um, and that's also a good sign for us because it means that on the one hand, we are entertaining enough for young audiences, but we also have good content that's even interesting to, to people that are more of an expert in, in these areas. Okay, and I also saw that you're conducting a survey right now for your listeners. What are you trying to figure out about your audience and how does it affect your content? You mentioned that, especially for young people, it's supposed to be very interesting and more funny and entertaining. How does it affect your content? That's actually a survey that we don't just do with our stock market podcast, but with the whole company. So we have like a more than 100 podcasts in our company in total in various different areas. So it's like entertainment, it's education, it's finance. Um, and we just try to do a survey about podcasting in general. So which people listen to podcasts, how often do they listen? What are they interested in? Like are they often shifting podcasts or do they basically have like free formats that they always listen to? Um, and so that's basically not so much affecting our content content but our podcast strategy in general then that's what the survey is for and do you have a certain podcast strategy is there something that you're really looking for there's not like a specific strategy but what we try to do obviously is with each format to be a bit unique um, and that was also one of the big success factors of our podcast of the stock market podcast because it was basically the first daily podcast which is it's just 10 minutes long it, it's published five five times a week um, and it was the first one in germany in the finance sector and this was one of the big drivers for us since we had a really unique format that others didn't have Cool. So you kind of started the whole podcast movement then for financial advice, right? Here in Germany? At least we, uh, there were some finance podcasts already, but we started the, the daily for format and also the news format. So there were some like basic education formats or interview formats where there were like interviews with different investors. Um, but we invented, uh, so to speak, the whole scene of like the daily news podcast, at least in Germany. Um, as I said, we had a role model in America, um, the best one yet, um, which we didn't copy. But where we saw, okay, a daily podcast in the stock market can work and there's a lot of potential. And that's why we started it as well. Interesting. And which news about the stock market performance do you have for us today? What was new today? What happened? Well, it's pretty early today, so not, not a lot has happened yet. Yeah. Um, but right now, as we're recording, we are in the so-called earnings season um, in the stock market. So basically, each quarter, so every three months, every company has to publish their financial metrics. So how many users they have, how many revenue they make, how much profits they make. Um, and we are currently in that season. So all the companies you know, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, they published their, their new financial numbers. And one of the big surprises last week was that Meta, so the company behind uh, Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram, had really strong numbers. So Facebook, for example, for the first time ever, reached a mark of 2 billion monthly active users. And this was pretty surprising since probably most of you think that Facebook is pretty much dead, but they are still they are still growing. Um, and the day after like the results came out, the stock also increased by I think 30% or something a lot of people say that the stock market is looking a bit more promising so far here in 2023 for example the S&P 500 is I think around 7% up since the beginning of the year and the Nasdaq um, is also roughly about like 13% up as far as I know would you agree with that that we've already survived the worst of this bear market or is the worst still yet to come 
It's pretty hard to tell, uh, mm -hmm. to make forecasts, especially in the short term. I think what has impacted the stock market positively this year, um, I already talked about the interest rates and what we've seen this year from the uh, Fed and from the ECB, so the big central banks in Europe and the United States, they have said that they won't increase the interest rate as much as they originally planned to. And this is obviously something that the stock market really likes. And it's one of the reasons for the good returns this year. But if we see that maybe in like five weeks, the, the Fed uh, tells us, okay, we will increase the interest rates a bit more than you, than you thought, um, we will maybe see a, a reverse of that trend. So I think it's a bit early to judge if the bear market is over. Um, but definitely right now, it looks better than in 2022. And it might be interesting also to explain what is a bear market actually. Um, as far as I know, a bear market is a market that experience a prolonged price decline, but what exactly are the key factors of a bear market? Exactly, that's basically it. So, I mean, there are, there are like exact definitions. For example, some people say if the stock market decreases 20% from its previous mm -hmm. highs, that's a bear market. Um, but basically, it's exactly as you said, if the stock market decreases or declines for a longer period of time, that's a bear market. Um, and if it increases, as it's done over the, the past few years, it's a bull market. So it's if you hear someone say, okay, the, the bulls are dominating the stock market, you know, okay, it's going up. And if the bears are dominating, you know, okay, it's, it's going down. Interesting. We had a very significant correction last March. Can you predict in which sector do you expect the next big correction? What we've seen last year is basically that the tech sector has uh, decreased pretty dramatically because the valuations um, have been very high in the tech sector. So especially software companies, everyone wanted to invest in the next big software company, in the next big electric vehicle company. Um, and these stocks were definitely overhyped and we saw a decrease there. Um, I think currently there isn't a sector that's that overhyped. So I wouldn't say that there's like a sector where it's obvious that the stocks are far, too, far overvalued or far too expensive. Um, I think one sector that's more hyped than others right now is like sustainable energy. Of course, also because climate change is a, is a big issue and there are also large investments going into that sector. But I think if we see a, a decrease in the next few months, it might be that sector, like sustainable energy and, and solar stocks and stuff. They are more overpriced than others right now, but they also have a lot of potential in the future. So mm -hmm. I, it's not like a sure bet or that I think, okay, that's totally overvalued, but it's a sector that's a bit more overpriced than, than others right now. Interesting. So you mentioned if you risk right now when it comes to investing a long term, also because of the corrections, what would you advise an average person to consider before investing in general? Of course, first of all, this none of this is any investment advice and yeah. everyone should always like educate them themselves before they do any investments. Um, but I think one of the biggest lessons in the stock market or if you want to invest in the stock market is that you have to think very long term so it's there's no like get rich quick scheme in the stock market but you really need to invest over like 10 20 30 years and at least historically then you would have gotten pretty good returns um but you should not put any money in that you need in like a year or two because you can have as you said a bear market and then you will lose money but if you invest with like a time horizon of 10 15 20 years the likelihood that you will lose money in the stock market especially if you invest like in a broad portfolio of a lot of companies um the likelihood has at least historically been pretty low that you will lose money over such a long time horizon 
I talked to people who work for companies who are selling derivatives, and they told me that a common thing that they say within the within the company is that they only sell drugs, they don't take drugs, so they would never advise you to buy derivatives. Would you agree with this? Would you say that an average person should never invest in derivatives? And what are derivatives, first of all? Yeah, I would. I would basically agree with that. So a derivative is, for example, that one thing you can do in the stock market which is the thing most people do you invest in a stock and with that you really buy a share in a company so if you buy a stock of for example volkswagen you really own part of volkswagen you own part of the factories you own part of the cars they sell you own part of the profits and with a derivative you're not owning anything you're basically just betting that the stock will go up or down in the next few weeks mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty risky since i already said stock market investing is about the long term and derivatives are constructed to be about the short term more or less um, and they can be really useful instruments especially for experts um, that know what they are doing but for like the usual investor that just invests his or her private money i would also advise not to use any derivatives especially if you're not like really an expert in this in these topics there are some people that earn a lot of money um, with derivative strategies but uh, there are also a lot of people that are losing a lot of money with that thank you would you say there are other common mistakes or myths about the stock market and investing in general that you would like to encounter with your podcast or here right now? I would say one common misconception, like in the general public, especially also in, in Germany, is that the stock market is some kind of casino where you just <laughs> bet on like some chart going up or down. But as I already said, like the stock market is the real economy. You really invest in real companies that are doing real stuff. Um, and it's not more of a casino than if you buy like some kind of real estate. So it's really something real and physical. Um, and just because you can't touch it, like you can touch maybe a flat that you buy. Um, it's not some kind of casino where you just bet on charts going up or down. I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have, uh, especially in Germany. And that's also why a lot of people don't invest in the stock market, even though it would be pretty, pretty good for them, especially over the long term. And why would you say, especially in Germany, do you have any suggestion? I think it's a cultural factor that, for example, in America, people are more inclined to take risks in general. Um, and there have also been historical factors. Like, for example, we had in 2000s, there was a really hyped stock that the Deutsche Telekom was one of the most hyped stocks in, in Germany. And basically, every German invested their money in Deutsche Telekom. And then the stock crashed and everyone lost money. And so a lot of people thought, okay, you cannot earn any money in the stock market. Um, Deutsche Telekom killed all of my of the wealth I've accumulated. Um, and so a lot of people got burned by that. And I think there's a mix of like historical factors and cultural factors. But we're currently seeing that the stock market gets more and more popular. So we're on the way up. Um, but still, we are far away from like America, where a lot of people invest in the stock market. Really? Do you have some insights where are the most young investors? Or would you say the wave is also coming in Germany with your podcast? Yeah, I mean, definitely like America has a lot of young investors um, and general in the general public, there's a far higher share of people that invest. Um, but we also see it in Germany that younger people invest more and more and also invest more than like older people. Um, so we see some effect of 
the education that we are doing that others are doing um, and also of course the low interest rate environment pushed a lot of people to think uh, about investments more because if you can get five percent return in your bank account you might not think that much about money but if you just get zero percent or even negative interest rates i think you think a bit more about it and that's why a lot of people even in germany um, are turning more and more to the stock market so i think we are seeing an upward trend but as i said america is, is like far away from us in that in that regard so for example i find myself often in a classroom with other people who are doing day trading your our macroeconomic class or who are investing in general and also with other people who have no idea how to invest at all and how to start or how to even uh, where they should read about the news in the stock market and what they should evaluate and whatnot. Do you have some advice for people who are just getting started or who would love to um, start to invest? I think one one good source are uh, there are some good newsletters where it's pretty easily digestible, but they give you the most important news about the market and they also teach you some of the things that you need to know. For example, Morning Brew um, is a daily newsletter and you get the news, but you also get some explanations for the stuff. So that's a good starting point. And then I would say just look on YouTube for basic explanations. So what's a stock? What's an ETF? And just try to get your information um, on YouTube. Basically, everything is on there. Um, and then if you're a bit more advanced, and for example, you're in Germany, you can listen to our podcast, or you, if you're in America, you can listen to the Best One Yet podcast. Um, but I think that's a good starting point. The morning pre-newsletter, and then just trying to figure out stuff yourself. So if you read like an article about a stock and you don't understand uh, various terms, you can just look them up um, and try to try to teach yourself basically how to how to invest. So you would say it's very important to make sure that you know what you're investing in and for how long you plan to keep your money there or? Yeah, of course. Before you invest, you need a clear strategy of what you're doing and you should never put money in anything you don't understand. Even if everyone around you is so hyped about some some kind of investment that they tell you it's the best thing you can ever do and you will earn like 10,000 percent and you should not do it if you don't understand it so you should really only invest in things that you that you can understand and where you know what you're doing yes and what you just mentioned kind of reminds me of the crypto industry um may i ask you do you have <laughs> <laughs> may i ask you do you have um, any advices when it comes to investing in crypto or what do you predict for this year for the crypto industry in general, given that we just saw what happened to FTX? Well, first of all, I would say that uh, crypto investments are highly speculative. And I always said like in the stock market, you're really investing into real companies that are doing stuff. And in the crypto markets, that's not the case currently. So you're really just betting on the future of some new technology and the bet might work and you might earn a lot of money but it's really speculation and i would not put a lot of my money into it and if you put money into it you should always know that there's like a good likelihood that you might lose all of it um that being said i also think that for example bitcoin has reached a level of, of mass adoption also among like big financial institutions that i don't think it will disappear in like the next couple of years um and there's also a good likelihood that it will rise again but as i said that's just just speculation so if you want to invest in the crypto market and if you want to be part of this next hype cycle um i would say don't invest too much of your of your savings there just a small part that you can also afford to lose 
now when I read the news and I I think we all can totally see that there are rising tensions with China and within China and the US, especially now with the um Belarus that just got shot and the Ukrainian war. How would you say how can political conflicts or even or especially wars to be honest affect the stock market and what have we seen in the past so far? Well, in general, it's definitely definitely a negative uh, effect that wars have on the stock market. So we've seen this with the Ukraine war um, that it had a negative effect on the on the stock market in general. I think currently with the US and China, we have seen uh, worse periods before. So like basically two years ago, there was a lot more conflict that also um, had effects on the stock market because, for example, China not only had conflicts with the US, but they also tried to regulate their own tech companies. Um, and that's why the stocks of a lot of tech companies in China um, have been falling for the past few years because the government in China even went against their own companies. Um, but I would say geopolitical factors are mostly a, a short to midterm factor, but over the long term, they're basically not such a big factor. So if you invest in good companies over the long term, um, you don't need to think too much about these geopolitical effects. Um, but over a short time horizon of like a few months or a few years, they can have a big effect on the stock market. So would you say that an average person shouldn't change its investment strategy during this period right now of uncertainty? Yes, I mean, it depends on your investment strategy. But for example, if your strategy is that you just invest for the long term in like an ETF that is broadly diversified and that basically invests in the whole economy around the world and like the biggest companies, then I would say you should just keep investing even in these periods. Um, because of course, it might be that all the big companies in the world will be killed by, by by such a war, but then you will have other problems other than your than your portfolio or other than your than your stock stockbroker account. Um, so I would say don't change your strategy just because some geopolitical tensions are rising right now. Interesting. And there's another thing that I want to mention because I read a stock market analyst from uh, Bloomberg. They looked into the data from the past 16 years um, with the 15 midterms elections. And they said that, for example, the S&P 500 has historically outperformed the market in the year after the election. Would you say that political events such as the elections impact the stock market? Also, because we're looking to the U.S. election in 2024 now. There is definitely an impact, but I would always be very careful with these kinds of mm -hmm. statistics um, because if there, let's say there is such an effect and every time after the election, the stock market rises a lot, then what a smart investor would do is to just buy a lot of stocks before the election. And if all investors do that, the stock market will be totally overpriced before the election. And after that, it will probably decrease. So if there is such an inefficiency in the market, Usually over time, investors will use that inefficiency um, and that's how that inefficiency goes away. So uh, I think it's not a good strategy to just, based on like a historical trend, invest in the stock markets uh, over such like with such uh, short term aspects. So I would say that's not a valid strategy, but definitely the, the elections have an effect on the stock market. Also, we've seen with Biden, for example, he has created a lot of investment programs or infrastructure programs and there have been a lot of company that's, companies that have benefited from that for example the semiconductor companies have benefited from the um how do you say so it's, he's basically supported semiconductor companies with his with his investment programs and so they have benefited from from that 
Thank you. That was great. And can you predict what are the biggest challenges for the stock market for the next two years? What are you seeing for your team? Biggest challenges, I would say, is still the interest rate topic and inflation. This mm -hmm. will be the biggest challenge, especially in, in this year still, and maybe even the, the year after that. Um, and then I would say there are there are a lot of opportunities, actually, especially in the area of sustainable energy. Also, we see a lot of developments also with regards to, for example, semiconductor companies, chip companies. I think if currently we're seeing like a decline in demand for electronic devices, but over the long term, the, the demand for like electronic devices and also for all other things that use chips and semiconductors will rise again. Um, so I think this is an interesting sector to look at, the semiconductor industry with companies like Intel, ASML, TSMC. Um, but I think, yeah, basically the, the largest macro factor is still interest rates and inflation. And so you just mentioned some upcoming technologies that we should look into. Are there some technologies shaping the future of the stock market when it comes to analyzing the performance or doing the evaluation in general? Do you think that something is going to change there? With regards to analyzing the, the stock market and valuations, not so much actually, uh, because the dynamic stays the same. You try to value a company based on their future cash flows. So how much cash will they really earn in the future for you as an investor? And that doesn't really change. Obviously, like new research tools will always help with that. Um, but I don't think that there will like be a big shift and there will be one technology with which you can trick the stock market. I don't think I don't think that will happen. Thank you. And other specific sectors or companies that you believe are currently undervalued and worth considering for investment now for younger people who are trying to look for a safer investment in long term do you have there anything that you would like to mention i would say especially if you're just starting out and you don't know that much about the stock market the best thing to do is basically just invest in etfs so these are basically broad investment funds where there are a lot of companies in one stock so you basically buy one stock and then you own a very small part of a lot of companies for example the msci world etf there are the 1500 biggest companies in the world so apple microsoft nvidia all these big companies are in that etf and you just have to buy this one share and you own all of these companies and that's basically the smartest thing you can do if you're just starting out and don't know that much about about the stock market since you will benefit from the general development of the stock market but you don't have the risk that one specific company will not do so well because you're broadly broadly diversified Cool. So you would say it's basically safer to invest in a basket of different stocks and shares, right? To make sure that you have a broader investment strategy. Exactly. There's there's a saying in the investment world, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> um, so you should always try to diversify and also... Like diversification doesn't just mean that you need a lot of companies. For example, if you have five car companies, you're still not diversified. Because if there's one thing that happens to the whole car industry, your whole portfolio will go down. So you should try to really get also companies from different areas. So for example, one car company, one finance company, one technology company, and try to get a broad portfolio that way. Um, and as I said, there are also solutions for that. Like for example, an ETF is a broad portfolio in itself and you don't have to do the work of picking various stocks and picking various things. Um, you can basically just take the, the whole package. Thank you very much. That was very insightful. I have a last question for you. This is a bit more personal. Do you have a number one career advice when it comes to younger people? I think one thing that's 
worked really well for me is just doing a lot of stuff. So basically with 13, when I started being interested in the stock market, I also started writing articles about the stock market. And everybody told me, why are you writing articles? No one, no one is reading them. <laughs> it's totally useless. Uh, but it was a great way for me to learn about the stuff, to also write down what I've learned and really see if I had a good understanding of that. Um, and now looking back, it also helped me get this job, for example, where I could just show, okay, I've written 500 articles about the stock market already. Wow. And so maybe that's a good way to, to also apply for jobs. So I would say always follow your curiosity and always do a lot of things, try different things, uh, try doing projects. And that's, I think what employers will always like and what's also really beneficial for your own career. And even if you're doing something yourself, so starting your own startup, um, Having done a lot of stuff and having started a lot of projects uh, on your own is, is a great way to learn and a great way to, to gain experience. Very cool. Thank you very much, Noah. It was very, very, very good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.